Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 139. Like last week, we have a compilation of episodes that are put together for you to listen to. We were joined by Dr. Aaron Boster uh, a few times, probably starting from season one all the way up into season four. He is a phenomenal doctor. We absolutely adore him. I think his candor, his excitement about MS, if there is excitement, uh, his dedication and his passion is what drives and fuels, I, I believe, his love for his patients. And um, we absolutely love listening to him. And we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to season four of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We are two Black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Myelin Melanin. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube. The clip you are about to listen to is from episode 17 from season one. Um, paradigm shifting is really taking a look at how you accomplish a task and doing it differently to accomplish the same goal, but through a different means. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, conceptually, you think about you've got your entire family on a sailboat and you're out uh, at sea and this and the mast breaks. You know, so you've got your family out at sea and you have to get them back to safety. There's no other options, of course but you can't use the sail. So what do you do? You know, you can't sail back, but maybe there's an outboard motor. Maybe there's paddles. Maybe you have a cell phone and you can call the coast guard. You know, my, my point is, is that you get your family back. You just don't do it the way you came in. Mm -hmm. And there's so many times in the life of, of the people that I work with, the people impacted by MS and their families where they grieve the loss of a function. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and we have to grieve a loss, you know, that we have to give a moment and grieve the loss of a function. But then we have to figure out how do we accomplish that task, despite the fact that we can't do it the way we used to. And, and I'll give you a real world example. And it's an example that really plucks at the heartstrings of men. And, and that, and, and to be very blunt, that has to do with mowing the lawn. Hmm. In, in our culture, a lot of men determine a lot of their self-worth by the, by the quality of their lawn care, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, almost a misogynistic kind of like, you know, it's my lawn, you know, and, and what I mean by that, you know, I learned to mow my lawn by my father taught me on a 21 inch mower, you know, when I was, when I was 11 or 12 and I've mowed my lawn the same freaking way ever since then. And most men do that, you know, and a lot of times what that means is at around noon or one o'clock on Saturday, when the sun is in full view, you go out and you knock out the whole darn thing in one fell swoop. Two hours, you kill it, and then you put the mower away and you come inside. Right. And a lot of guys with MS, because of heat sensitivity and motor fatigue, you know, they can't do that. And I've seen guys that can't think through alternative ways of accomplishing lawn care, and it, and it hurts mm -hmm. them. You know, it emotionally makes them feel not complete. 
And so, you know, we sometimes will game out um, different options and we'll, we'll talk about paradigm shifting. For example, you could wake up Saturday morning, you know, pretty darn early, you know, maybe eight o'clock even before the sun's fully up and mow the front half of your lawn before it gets really hot out, making sure that you wear a cooling vest and making sure that you bring water, you know, ice water. And then you go inside and recuperate and enjoy your Saturday. And then Sunday before church, you knock out the back half. Mm. Now, Sunday evening, you get your man points. You know, you mowed your lawn. It's looking great, you know, and and you did it, but you had to change how you did it. And and that's really the crux of paradigm shifting. Mm-hmm. I Dana and I were talking just kind of casually, before, you know, when we were talking about paradigm shifting and uh, it's. I, I can't say that this is the same as mowing the lawn, but I was like, what do you do when you're out with your friends? And and you could tell me if this sounds silly or not, but if you're out with your friends and then, you know, it's a summer night and you're, you're used to hanging out and enjoying your life. And just because you have MS, you don't want to be, you know, closed up inside. And then they say, yeah. oh, do you want to sit outside or do you want to sit inside? And your entire party wants to sit outside and you know, it's hot, you know, you have heat sensitivity. What do you do? So ahead of time, I'm thinking, okay, what is my plan? I know that my my group wants to go outside, so I'm going to get my cooling vest, get my ice packs, you know, so that I can enjoy this time out with my friends or something. So it's kind of like paradigm shifting, but like when you're having fun versus doing, you know. You're work. absolutely right. You know, and there's a couple different ways you could paradigm shift just to talk through that for a second. You know, one thing, and, and I think that's a brilliant idea. I'm going to go outside and hang out with my buddies. I'm just going to cool myself while I do mm-hmm. it. Um, we have a, a, a patient and his family I, we've become very close with. I consider them personal friends. And they have a mister, you know, like a, not a not a man, but, a, you know, like a, a thing that sprays water, a mister. <laughs> yes. uh-huh. They have it set up over the door frame um, as they go out on their patio. And so my buddy will sit in his wheelchair under the mister. And it keeps him cool, mm-hmm. you know, so, so that's a great idea. You know, another paradigm shift is to say to your friends, Hey guys, I'm stoked that I get to hang out with you tonight. I actually have heat sensitivity. And if I go outside, you're probably gonna have to carry me back inside. So would you mind if we just went out for a little bit and then maybe we hang out inside because your friends, you, you know, that's your village right. and your, your village can paradigm shift for you, yes. you know? And, and so it works both ways. But the point is, you want to have an awesome evening in this great example. You know, you want to enjoy life and enjoy your friends. And so you might have to paradigm shift how you make that happen, but it's still going to happen. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I really like um, that concept of your friends paradigm shifting for you or with yeah. you as well. I think that that's, that's really key. That's exactly right. You know, I see this a lot with uh, spouses. So um, someone with MS who has accrued a degree of disability is now um, dependent to some degree on the assistance of their spouse. And they worry, they genuinely worry that they're a burden. Mm-hmm. And, and I oftentimes in the presence of the spouse will remind them of their marriage vows. You know, and I, I would I say to them, if the spouse was ill, you wouldn't let them complain. You would tell them, shut up. This is, the, I love you and, and, you know, I'm here to support you. So in the same breath, you have to allow them to honor their vows. You have to allow this key village member to paradigm shift and help you. And, and you have to accept that in the same way that you would make them accept that. 
And so, you know, the, the, the village shifting with you and you paradigm shifting with the village is just part of the deal. It is. Absolutely. And I think it leads to my question for you, like, which we've kind of touched on already. How can these MS, how can MS patients, you know, achieve their goals through all of these shifting or this, this shifting? And I, and like you said, the village steps in to help. That's one, one way to achieve your goal, asking for help. And that was something that Dana and I talked about before. Like a lot of times we become so stuck in our ways and, you know, wanting to do things our, our own way and, and feeling as if we're a burden if we do ask for help. But mm-hmm. it's it's important to, to ask. And, you know, because you, you get in into a, a, I guess, a situation where you can't move or you want to move, but you, you know, um, you're just having trouble. Right. And so you're like, okay, what do I do? How do I shift my thinking here because I want to get over to that door, but I don't know how to to get there. Well, you've got to have somebody step in and help you and change your way of thinking, change your narrative, reframe your narrative and, you know, just get it done. You're exactly right. And and I think you, you know, I, I want to highlight something you said because you started talking about goals. So if the goal is to reverse the room safely and that's the goal then, then we're going to achieve the goal. Now, there's a secondary goal of I want to do it alone, unassisted. Mm-hmm. But that might not be plausible or safe. Right, right. And so the shifting comes and saying, okay, I will accomplish my goal of traverse the room safely. I'm going to have to ask this stranger if they would please give me a hand so I can stand up. And that that's not an easy thing to accept. And I, and I respect that. But if the, if you identify the goal, and in this case, it's to get across the room, well, then you're going to figure it out to achieve that goal. I, I think that MS, I can speak for myself, has taught me how to problem solve so much more than like before. Yeah. I, I've become so, you know, aware of pretty much every step that I take, you know, I'm even, I can quote staying here, but but I really have, have become like this master of, okay, if I go to Whole Foods this morning, will I have enough energy to go to Target later? You know, I've got to figure out a way to turn my day into a day that works for me and not Amen. That is that is spoon theory, if I've ever heard it described, and and that is an that is a form of paradigm shifting. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear you saying something beautiful. I don't have unlimited energy. My functional reserves aren't what they were when I was eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, and with MS and with the heat of the day, my my functional reserves might diminish. So I'm going to be planful about what I do, so I can get the important stuff done. Yes. You know, that's, that's brilliant. And you say, okay, I got to get these six chores done, but if I do all six tomorrow, I'm in bed. So I'm going to play it smarter, not harder. I'm going to do the three that I got to get done. And the ones that I can wait on, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that is, that is spot on as far as, you know, uh, shifting the paradigm so that you accomplish your goals and yet, you know, you can navigate through what you have in front of you. The episode you're about to hear is from episode 40 from season two. In a word that rhymes with hoe. 
no, no. Uh, the answer, the answer is no. And, and, but okay. I do, but I do need to explain a, a bit more. And so, okay. uh, first off, I, I, I want to state that, that, you know, I'm giving you my own personal opinion right. and just because it, I'm opinionated doesn't make me right. It just makes me opinionated. And, right. and, and so I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that standing in judgment of what someone right. else is doing sure. necessarily. Here's, here's my beef though. The, the, we don't have a crystal ball to predict a priori that someone is a super responder to drug A, B, or C. We don't right. know that. Okay. Uh, and, and I do have patients that, that have been on various other drugs that are killing it, mm-hmm. but, but I didn't know that going into it. And I don't, I, here, here's the problem. If I'm wrong or if, or if the drug doesn't work, I've allowed a human being to accrue irreversible neurological damage, right. and I can't necessarily give that back. Right. And so as mm-hmm. such, when I'm working with a family, working with a human being to, to pick the best medicine, my mantra is as follows. I want to put you on the single most effective medicine you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I want to bring a SWAT team to a knife fight if you are okay with the SWAT team. Right. And, and what that means to me is the way that I begin my conversation is not talking about the side effects of medicines because I think that's misplaced. I right. begin the conversation talking about the reality of untreated MS and undertreated MS. And in my mm-hmm. mind, undertreated MS is a lot like untreated MS. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to frame out in a realistic fashion without um, going off the rails on what we're talking about here, because I think that that a, a, a person with this condition deserves to know what we're discussing. And right. really, we're not trying to make decisions for the 23-year-old newly diagnosed, the 37-year-old newly diagnosed. Mm-hmm. We're trying to we're trying to make decisions for the 65-year-old who still wants to be in there like swimwear. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. so we have to have a de- we have to look deep. We have to look deep into the future, and we really have to channel that future you and bring that gal to the table she's mm-hmm. the one that needs to be involved in this conversation uh, and and so i want to bring to the table after we've after we've gone through the reality of what we're up against or at least mm-hmm. at least we have discussed what we're up against i'm going to start my discussion about disease modifying therapies listing the most effective medicines at least in my opinion in order mm-hmm. of my opinion that, that they're eligible for and mm. that's and, and that doesn't mean that's the drug we pick that just means that's where we start the conversation right and so then we have to have a very real world interaction where i talk about the good the bad and the ugly and then i shut up and listen and the person says um no or okay you know right. and 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 really we're trying to dial in the risk benefit of a given therapy within the context of the risk of the disease Mm-hmm. I have I have some patients that they want to they want to they want to do it as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I have other patients the driving factor for that particular individual is tolerability, or I have other patients the driving factor for that particular individual is safety, which is okay. Mm-hmm. You know that right. is their that is their right and their prerogative, and I don't view it as my um, as my privilege of informing them of what they're okay with. I mean. You know, right. I, I remind you, having gone through med school, there's no class in paternalism. You know, right. they don't, they don't mm-hmm. teach you a class where I get to tell you what you're okay with. 
Right. What, what I was taught is the ethical obligation that I have to educate you, to help you make an informed decision. Right. And, and if I'm honest with you, I think all too often doctors don't do that awesomely. Mm, I think that mm-hmm. for various reasons, uh, various reasons, uh, you know, that are, there's a bunch of them, uh, they may not do that with someone. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that, you know, it takes time to educate somebody. It takes effort. It, it takes, it takes communicating and gosh darn it, that's what it takes. And that's what we must do. And so, right. so, so, you know, the short answer is no, I'm not going to recommend Avonex. Um, you know, and, and I would tell you specifically that, you know, Avonex in my mind is one of the least effective drugs that exists. I also mm-hmm. think there's wow. some, there's some data to suggest that African-Americans in specific should never take interferon. Um, mm. And, really? And, uh, you know, and, and that's not gospel. It is not gospel. Right. So I'm, I'm not telling you like some crazy no. class one evidence, you know, uh, class right. A recommendation type thing. But, right. but I, I think that he, anybody who is at high, higher risk of disease progression mm-hmm. should avoid a low efficacy medicine that has not been adequately proven to slow disability in a meaningful way, to slow brain volume loss in a meaningful way. It just, it just, it, it, it hurts my heart that in 2019, when we have drugs like we've been discussing, Limtrada, Ocrevus, Tysabri, etc., that we're talking about something that was cutting edge for a minute in the mid 90s. Right. I mean, think, right. think about this for a second. Do you, do you ladies remember back in the day? It was the bomb to have that really gray, hard cell phone with the, with the semi-flexible black, um, antenna (laughs) and you, and and the the charger was bigger than the phone and it would hold a charge for like an hour and a half. And it cost like $700 million to talk to your friend for like four minutes. That was the bomb. I mean, my my dad had one of those phones and my friends would come over to look at it. I mean, oh my gosh, you know, your dad has one of those phones. Can I touch it? You know, nowadays I don't see those phones very often. Um, right. And what, what I do see are phones that are a fraction of the size. They have the computing power of a, of a computer and, and connected with the cloud, they can, they could run a business, you know, they right. can, tra- they can translate multiple languages on, on one of the, uh, the modern day cell phones. I mean, and, and sometimes the least, the thing we do the least with our phone is talk, you know, because we, yeah. we, we do everything. And, and my point here is, was it wrong to use that? arcane initial cell phone back in the day nope that was it but it would actually but but today that doesn't make a lot of sense and so you know Mm -hmm. i think that we need to we need to recognize that we we don't have a a mechanism by which to guarantee for a limited time only for 999 if you sign up now Mm -hmm. we can we can hook it up you know we don't know right and and and, you know we actually don't know that with limtrada ocrevus tisabri but right. I want to bring a SWAT team to a knife fight. I mean, let's face it. I'm like five mm-hmm. six. You know, I'm not a martial artist. I don't know how to use a knife. I don't want to get in a knife fight. Right. You know, I want I want twelve guys that look like GI Joe. You know, with muscles on their muscles, mm-hmm. wearing flak jackets, <laughs> right. and they got semi-automatic weapons. You know, and they're Brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> masters. I want twelve guys in front of me, and I'm I'm gonna stand behind them with my hand raised and one finger out. You pick the finger, one finger out in the air, and that's mm-hmm. how I'm gonna fight MS. But yes. it's contingent. Mm-hmm. It's contingent on the family. It's contingent on that human being um, in, impacted by MS to want to do that with me. And so, you know, does every patient that I see end up on 
the drugs that we've been discussing? No, they do not. Mm-hmm. Right. But that's where that's where I start the conversation. And right. you know, I, I'll give you I'll give you an example, um, a touching example um, in my clinic. A gentleman came to see me, um, relatively newly diagnosed, and he said, "I know." By the way, doc, I I know what I want to take. And I said, okay, what do you want to take? Mm. He said, I want daily Copaxone injections. And I said, mm. please help me understand. You know, there's all these other medicines, right. you know, and, 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 and if you're going to do Copaxone, you don't have to do it every day. He said, right. my, my daughter is a type 1 diabetic. Mm. And sorry, I'm getting tearful. And he said, I want to inject with her. Wow. <sighs> Oh wow. my goodness gracious! I and, and oh, when I said yeah. him, I said okay, we're going to do Covaxone. I mean, so, so right. I, yeah. I guess the, the the bottom line here is, I want to I want to stack the deck in our favor, mm-hmm. and it may not yeah. work out, but I have to sleep at night just like you have to sleep at mm-hmm. night. And right. if, my contention is, if God forbid, we accrue neurological disability. Mm-hmm. If God forbid we have accelerated brain volume loss and we we mm-hmm. have to grieve the loss of neurological function, it's going to mm-hmm. be despite everything we know how to do. It's going to be right. despite right. The, the bringing the very best that we have to offer in 2019 to the table. Mm-hmm. And and as you well know, that that's not limited just to a medication. There's much more right. going on. Right. But but in the in the selection of the medication, do I look at someone and say, "Oh, darling, you're an Avonex kind of gal"? No, I do not. <laughs> No, I, 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 I don't. I don't say that. You know, that's right. now. You yeah. know. The, the clip you are about to listen to is from episode fifty-one from season three. If I had a one-size-fits-all approach, some of the people that I talked to would either feel like I wasn't sharing, or B, feel like I was oversharing. To use your term. Too right. much information. Um, right. Exactly. And that's it, what we it, were talking about yesterday. Not to cut you off. I'm sorry. We were saying, I think it's important to develop that relationship with your physician or your neurologist yeah. mm-hmm. so yeah. that they understand, hey, I, am I am I going to make you go down a rabbit hole with this information right. or am I withholding and it's going to make you angry? So then we have a communication issue. You right. know what I mean? You're, you're exactly yeah. right. And, and, and it's the same thing with so many intimate relationships and, and the relationship we're discussing um, is is an intimate one, you know, mm-hmm. the provider and the and the patient. That's an intimate relationship, and so creating some guardrails, boundaries, boundaries, um, you know, rules of the game, it, as it relates to how you communicate, when you communicate, what you communicate is relevant, you know. And it and it, it there's also a piece of this that's on me. So, for example, I, I might look at a laboratory. Okay, and mm-hmm. and it's outside of the range of normal on the mm-hmm. on the piece of paper. You know, let's say that the upper limit of normal in this make believe lab is a ten, and mm-hmm. it's an eleven point two. Now I know from my medical training and experience that that's actually not relevant. It doesn't matter. Right. But the person who has not gone to medical school and residency and fellowship, etc., they just see a range up to ten, and then they see a number above ten, which logically means that's abnormal. Right. Right, and, and so I have to grapple with how do I answer that question? Some people I can just say it's within the normal. It's it's slightly above normal, but that's normal. That doesn't mean anything bad. And the lab right. has to have a cutoff. Don't sweat it. Mm-hmm. Other people, I have to go into a much greater detail about what that lab is actually telling us and why I don't think it's important. Right. Um, but if I ubiquitously shared the latter with every patient, 
it would it would not help a lot of people you know and and so i have to be sensitive on my end to what you need to receive because it's not about me i already know the answer i looked at the lab it's about me conveying it to you in a way that's meaningful to you right so so i i think this is very very germane and you know if to your point earlier if you don't game this out ahead of time you could have a, a provider doing an excellent job who is perceived as not doing an excellent job. Yes. Or you could have a patient who is very invested in their care. They really want to be a good partner in their own care, but they aren't perceived that way by right. the provider. Right. Um, and it, it, you know, and, and, and so obviously we don't want to go down that path. We want, we want a harmonious, intimate interaction. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that is important because You know, when I say I don't want to know, of course, I care about my scans. I want to know the basics. Is it stable? Do we need to change something? You know, but I think that for some people, it sounds like, well, you don't care. You're not like you don't care about your disease. You're not. Don't you you want to know what shows? Come on, girl. And it's like, no, I just know myself and I'm going to end up in a depression if I possibly. That's exactly right. You know. There, there are, we could speak for a moment um, it, w- with some gross generalities. Mm-hmm. There is a generation of patient, my grandparents' age, and, and this is a gr- gross generalization. Mm-hmm. There's more, you know, there's, there's more exceptions to the, the rule maybe, but, but doctor knows best. Mm-hmm. Just tell me what I'm supposed to do, doctor. Right. Now, I, and, and then there, there is another gross generalization and and, uh, I'm I'm using these generalizations on purpose, but Mm. uh, of the, of the so-called millennial. And I think we now know millennials hate being called millennials, but (laughs) but I'm talking about young folk and, and a lot of people of that generation, they, they have Dr. Google in their hand while talking to me Mm -hmm. and, and they want to fact check and they want to understand. And, and of course, you know, I, I use these gross generalizations. Everybody's an individual. And so I, I think we have, to, we have to have that conversation. How do you want to hear about this? You know, what, what, what commonly happens when I say, would you like to see your MRI? If the patient says, no, thank you, the spouse or the parent or, or the friend says, well, I want to see it. Right. And so we may actually turn the computer so that the patient doesn't see it to honor their request. Right. And the, and the spouse or the partner, the, you know, care partner, what have you. And I look at it together mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't take very long to do. And, and to your point, we can still, we can still convey, Hey, look, the punchline, everything's cool. Right. Or the punchline, we see something new. We're going to have to act on it. Right. Well, you know, and for, to Dana's point about self-care, when I found out that I had lesions, like when my neurologist said, hey, this is what's going on, all of, and I said, what? I didn't know I had thoracic yeah. all the way down, lesions yeah. all the way to T12. Like, are you kidding me? I'm like, what yeah. does this mean? Yep. And so then when she started talking to me and I said, okay, so now this is making sense. And yep. she, I was having terrible issues with my bladder. And she was like, I'm going to send you to, a, to see a urologist and I need you to, to like figure that out with that with that specialist. And I said, okay. And so that was self-care for me. Like I was able to go to the neurologist or the urologist and say, okay, well, this is what's happening. I have MS and my neurologist had spoken with her and they, they were, you know, in communication and knew how to to attack the issue. And so then I had to make a decision. Do I want to do self-catheterization or not, or like take medication. I don't, yep, I don't yep. it was up to me to decide at that point. And so that, sure. 
that to me felt like, okay, this is self-care because I am, I know exactly where this lesion is located and this is helping me like conceptualize why this and what was my example (laughs) yeah so so you you felt i mean in some ways what we're really getting at is empowerment yeah yeah and and really it's based on self-advocacy advocating for yourself saying you know hey doc i want you to go through that with me or hey doc i don't want you to go through that with me um which is a piece of self-advocacy which then translates directly into feeling empowered either because I now have a better, deeper understanding mm-hmm. of, of, the, of the, what's going on, or because I have trust in the person that I'm partnering with, my, my clinician, right. and, and they got me. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.